हेलो एंड वेलकम टू द फाइनल एपिसोड ऑफ दिस सीजन ऑफ स्लो डाउन विद आस्था यू नो आई डोंट थिंक देयर इज अ सिंगल पर्सन हु कैन से दैट दे हैव नॉट हैड अ लाइफ एक्सपीरियंस दैट हैज मेड देम क्वेश्चन द वेरी बेसिक नेचर ऑफ रियलिटी और लाइफ इटसेल्फ ईच एंड एवरी वन ऑफ अस हैज हैड दोस मोमेंट्स और इवन फेजेस ऑफ पेन कॉन्फ्लिक्ट स्ट्रगल एंड जस्ट द फीलिंग ऑफ डिफीट it is in these very moments that we tend to ask ourselves questions like how much of my life is actually in my control why do i have to suffer and what even is the purpose of my existence now my guest is someone who has always been an important part of my life and journey but lately he's taken the social media world by storm with his capsules of ancient wisdom being a vedic philosophy teacher at heart his mission is to demystify spirituality and share the knowledge of a better life with the masses today's conversation though has a very different vibe and it took me back to the times when i would sit in the corner of my room sipping on my coffee and ask him questions for hours about all of my spiritual dilemmas and just like the patient older brother that he is to me even to this day he would sit and answer each and every one of them so here is a conversation that is very very precious to my heart with none other than bhavesh bhimanathani hello and welcome finally to the show we've been talking about this forever and now it's finally happening and um i feel like i've been fortunate enough to know you for so long and to have attended your retreat in rishikesh to have done so many of your online courses and if there's I think there's one misconception that people have about ancient wisdom and that is the fact that um, it's not relevant to life today and just with me touching the surface of whatever you used to teach I realize that there's so much about practical ways of living your life understanding your mind your emotions so one thing that really struck me about the mind um, in your workshop was the fact that I think Sattva Rajas Tamas. I've always heard of these words in the context of you know health and Ayurveda and foods and personality styles. Some people are Sattvic in nature, but I never knew that this could be something from the point of view of the mind and mental health. So you know, I would really love for you to explain that. Uh, see, Neo, when you talk about the mind, uh, the Rishis have beautifully explained the concept of Sattva Rajas and Tamas. There's a text called Sankhya which talks in detail how the mind works. Patanjali Yoga Sutras, of course, that is what. So the crux is any element or any material or maybe a psychic element, the mind. It is made up of three qualities, and these three qualities are Sattva, Rajas, and Tamas. So when I'm talking to you as a person, all these three qualities are constantly working at different levels on your mind, on your ego, and your intellect also, even at the physical level of your body. Sattvic is now trending a lot, as you mentioned. People are talking about Sattvic food, Sattvic food. but sattva is something which will give you the quality to be aware positive thoughts to be kind to people caring at the same time rajas is hyperactivity constant movement physically mentally emotionally and of course spiritually also and tamas is when you become completely lethargic so when we talk about the human mind or the behavior or the modern term called mood swings and all it's all a combination of sattva rajas and tamas together but the problem is you can never be sattva alone you can't be 100% sattva even sattva has a small combination of rajas and tamas because the three work together so there is a misconception that everything should be only sattvic or only tamasic or only rajasic it's never going to happen but our goal in order to control the mind and to come out of different situations we have to be sattva dominant so when i say dominant means sattva should be 
70 and the rest 30 should be a combination of rajas and tamas so that is how it works so i remember you told me about how anxiety is associated with rajas or depression is associated with tamas when you're fully in a state of it's it's tamas into tamas that is your it's completely absolutely or fully dominated by that state of lethargy where you just don't have any willpower how does one even if in that moment I recognize that I'm completely in a state of tamas at this point of time, how can I pull myself out of that mental state? Yeah. So firstly, tamas into tamas will be like going into a state of coma or completely deep sleep. That is a very, very rare. But in fact, we go into tamas into tamas at times when you're very, very tired. Now, the thing is, if you're actually into tamas, it is very difficult for us to get you out or even for yourself to come out. Because in such situations, we are completely victims of everything. It's like, you know, I'm giving you a blanket and completely covered up in the blanket and that's it. So your will to come out is something which is very, very important. Secondly, you won't come into tamas into tamas in one day or into states of high depression or anxiety. It's a slow process. So that conditioning should also be there. So what we always suggest or when we talk about philosophy and about uh, Vedas, that awareness should be there. That knowledge should be there. And we are lacking that knowledge. Once you have that knowledge, then the application implication will start. But, uh, you know, another problem is that there's something very amazing. Even if you have the knowledge, we can't apply it. For example, when uh, Bhagwan, when I say Lord Bhagwan's Krishna, when he gave the entire Bhagavad Gita to Arjuna, after a few years, he forgot everything. That entire moment that he lived, he experienced, he forgot everything. Similarly, you have to live it. Then only you can come to Sattva. B, I have a question. In all of this, where do our emotions come? Like it's very confusing. For instance, if if I'm feeling really angry right now, I'm feeling it maybe as an emotion and in my body physiologically, but it's also becoming, let's say, a state of mind where I'm constantly thinking about maybe this person or the situation that has irritated me. What leads to what? Is mind leading to emotion? Is emotion perpetuating the state of mind? And how do I come out of the cycle of these two things? Yeah, if you understand, the mind, we take it in a sense that the mind and emotions are different. No, no, they work together. And if you're very, very angry, your physical body will also contract. So it's vice versa. Physically, mentally, emotionally, they all work together. So suppose at times I'm getting very, very agitated because you're not talking to me, for example. And after a while, I'll start clenching my body. But at the same time, if I get very physically angry, my mentally emotional anger will also rise. So it's intimately connected. What is awareness? Not to react. Just watch that emotion all the time. But we need that knowledge. Otherwise, again, we become victims. And again, we get entangled to that. And the root causes, why are you getting angry? You're letting, <laughs> I would say, you're letting the person or the situation trigger you. Definitely. You have made yourself a punching bag. And if they are not satisfying your desires, or they are not operating according to you, your reaction rate is anger. You know, even in the text, they say that anger is the greatest downfall. Anger, lust is the greatest downfall. So, and... Uh, we lose out a lot of energy also because when you get angry, your breathing changes completely. Body clenches, breathing changes, and of course, you have multiple thoughts. So that rajas becomes tamas. And that anger which is suppressed, then it leads to suppressed emotion. So it's all connected. So if I have the awareness, he, I'm really getting angry now, I need to control. Do I start by controlling the body, let's say with breath work, which is why you teach the importance of breath work. Do I start with my mind and first trying to say, okay, stop the mind from racing into these thoughts? How do I go about it? It's something very interesting. 
everything happens in the mind. Suppose now before we are doing this podcast, which is amazing with you, I have already pictureized something that the podcast is going to be like this, even though we have not discussed anything, but something is in my mind. So it starts from the mind. So before I'm meeting the person, there are certain expectations that I've created from the mind. And then the body responds. That is the reason control of the senses. We are victim of the senses all the time. And the mind is the most dangerous sense. Now that you brought up the word expectations, I have to refer to our retreat. I think there were so many beautiful conversations in those seven days and so many people from different backgrounds coming with different life problems and life dilemmas, I would say. And um, I think what I noticed is one underlying theme was attachment versus expectation, both internal and external. So for me, let's say what expectations I have from the world and how my life should have panned out maybe, and uh, the expectations that other people have from me. And then in this whole, in these two words, we're all becoming messed up. So what exactly is going on then? <laughs> you know, uh, I will quote uh, Patanjali Maharishi. He's saying that you're born with five afflictions of the mind. So when a human being comes into this reality, he's born with five afflictions. And these five afflictions, you like it or you don't like it, they're always going to give you pain. They call it the panchakleshas, inborn afflictions. So avidya, asmita, raga, dvesha, panchaklesha. Avidya means lack of knowledge. Asmita means ego. Raga means attachment. Dvesha means aversion. And abhinivesha means fear of death. We all are born with these five. That is the reason even modern Psychologist or doctor, nowadays they refer Patanjali because 5,000 years ago he has quoted this outright Avidya Asmita Raga Desha Panchaklesha. These are the five afflictions which are constantly dragging you down into Rajasandha. And one of them is attachment. Anything that you attach to is going to give you expectations and desires and attention-seeking features. And something very beautiful that he said, which has blown me completely away. He said, with attachment comes aversion. Such a powerful statement and I'm adding something of my own. Uh, attachment and aversion are the opposite sides of the same coin. For example, I really like this laptop, but too much of screen time is going to give me problems. And nowadays I've seen humans, we have a very special feature. We run behind things. If you are running away from me, I will run more behind you. But when I get the opportunity to meet you, I don't want you. So imagine 5,000 years ago, he had beautifully dissected the mind that even now we are trying to understand. And what is awareness? I am beyond these five panchakleshas. Avidya, Asmita, Raga, Dvesha, Panchaklesha. See, that is the reason when you started saying that people think that uh, whatever our rishis have given is not uh, practical. It is very practical. It's that we have not understood how they operate. But in, in a world where now, for instance, um, everyone the, in the world that we live in, it is important for us to earn bread and butter. There is certain expectations that our family, you know, the family expects from you. You have to earn money. There are how how easy is it wrong to have any desires is what someone are we supposed to reach that point where you have no expectation and attachment or you manage your expectations and your attachment i will again quote bhagavad gita patanjali and all vedas and upanishads in simple language see if you're born in this world you have only one thing to do play your role in whatever situation you're placed you have to play your role secondly desires are going to come desires will come and go the attachment to the desire that you have is a problem. It's not that you're going to go in a state of blank completely. Very, very difficult. So if you're getting a desire, you work towards it. If it happens, it's okay. If it doesn't happen, if you're okay, you're completely free. You're a free agent. 
But our problem is when the desire comes, we create a small bubble in the mind and own everything we create. And then if it, that is not satisfied, we are shattered. So it's okay. It's okay. We need bread. We need butter. We need a lifestyle. Do everything. But with the awareness that the result is not in your hand. But my duty is to give the best. That attitude should be there. That is awareness for people like us. I'm going to pick you on that later. But in between, I want to, because you spoke about how um, you know, we have a role to play, right? We all have a role. I don't know if you would say that that is the same as having a responsibility. Like I believe that I have a responsibility as a daughter towards my parents, as uh, I have a responsibility towards myself. I have a responsibility towards my brother. Another dilemma that I feel people have nowadays is what they say may be karma versus dharma. Ki, let's take it for an example that um, I'm someone who has who wants to stay with my parents and take care of them because it's my responsibility towards them that I do that. Now, tomorrow I get a great job opportunity to go abroad and I want to take it because that's important for my growth. And I have that responsibility also towards myself, right? But then I come in a dilemma because... If I do that, I'm not here to do this. And that is where people, that's where the conflict comes, where people are wonder what goes wrong and right. And we hear them say so often, Ki, no, no, I, I mean, I want to live with a clean karma. I don't want to do. What is karma and dharma and how do we manage this conflict? That's a very good, interesting question. See, dharma is, in fact, Bhagavad Gita, if you understand Bhagavad Gita, uh, when I say Bhagavan, of course, it's Lord Krishna. He says that if you do your dharma, you don't need to do anything. Don't go to temples, don't worship, just play your dharma. Now, dharma can't be translated in English, but it is the cosmic law. It's not responsibility? It, responsibility is a part of dharma. Okay. A small part of dharma. And dharma is not just microcosm, it is macrocosm also. So the entire cosmos is governing everything. It's a law which we can't run away from. Now, for example, my karma and my dharma are interconnected. The more I walk on the path of dharma, my karma will be taken care of. The more I'm falling down with my own desires and expectations, of course, dharma will also go uh, crazy. Like, let me give an example. My dharma at the moment is to answer whatever I can in my possibility. If I don't know, I should say no. That is my dharma. At the same time, I have certain amount of karma with you also. What is being aware? Being an instrument and giving your best. Rest everything. Now the problem is, now before doing everything, I'm expecting, oh no, like, you know, I become famous, like, you know, this podcast goes viral and people know me. I have created something. Now these thoughts are again building more karma. But I know that this is my dharma, I give my best, automatically karma will go on its own. These are beautiful, vast topics. I'm just trying to get everything in a nutshell. But uh, nowadays also people talk about karma and they land up in a state of tamas. Oh, my life is bad. This is happening to me. That is happening to me. That is my karma. No, 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 no. Your actions and your intentions are determining your karma. And that intention should be done through dharma. So thoughts create karma as well because people always think of karma as action. Like what are you doing as a person? But my thoughts can also create karma At for me. Attachment to the thought will create karma. If a thought is coming, suppose I get a thought, I want to have a candy. Okay, it has gone. It's finished. I want to have that specific candy, that specific candy, that specific candy. I'm waiting. I go down to the store and the store is closed and I react. I built up karma because of my reaction. But I want to have a candy. Okay, if I have a candy, I'm okay. If I don't have a candy, I'm okay. Everything is okay. Then nothing in the world can touch me. Nothing. I am bulletproof. So I remember once you told me about karma that you told me, Neo, you don't know how intricate karma is. It 
you have karma even with the person walking past you on the road and that's when like i mean we always think of the deep connections in our life and like you know the intense relations we have in our life as you know i have some karmic connection with this person we i mean i never thought of it to that extent of even if i'm going and having bilpuri down like i have some karma with that man so how deep does this web go you know it is like the spider's web very very it is deeper than the deepest ocean and higher than the highest sky it is very difficult to understand but uh, you know there are beautiful instances that suppose you are walking and you see this nice guy and you just have an eye contact people think you are flirting but even that is that karma for that nanosecond that has existed on the other hand we have karma for so many years we have the worst of the fights the best of the moments fighting like crazy cats and dogs it is start existing but at the same time people come and go so that knowledge is very important that there is a greater force working there's a knowledge of karma and understanding that everything comes with an expiry date if you have this knowledge deep in your heart then you'll understand that when the time comes to say adios to your parents and go for a job that has to happen what is your role to give your best and if you have given your best you will have no doubts because that is the capacity what you can do best doesn't mean perfect i repeat best means whatever you can do in your own capacity but we take everything for granted so it's not wrong to do something for yourself in life let's say if i'm in a situation where there's a conflict between my dharma itself ki someone else wants something from me in my life but that is not what i want for myself in my life is it wrong does do our text say anything about it being wrong to live your life for yourself or is that considered selfish and bad for karma no where in the vedas or upanishads has it been something like this do what is right for example now you want me to kill a dog I can't say it's my dharma because oh Asta is my sister Neo is going to be happy so I'm going to kill a dog no I will not do it but the problem is they are scared because if I don't do it for you I will lose my identity I will lose my relationship and we human beings nowadays are doing things just to make others happy the problem is that because somewhere deep inside we are looking for some kind of validation and some kind of attention from the another party or from the another person and that is giving us pain the fear of losing is also there that is the reason i tell everyone don't try to make everyone happy in fact no one can ever be happy from all your actions and the person who's happy with all your actions all the time that person doesn't need you you know i like in if we had to go deeper into karma um there's so many instances that are coming to my head now but you know when especially if there is an untimely death or a sudden death that happens and it's someone who people loved a lot we say this very often that uh, you know uh, you know was it his karma or you know what was his karma where did the karma go wrong uh, and people say oh they did such amazing things in their life when something like that happens can you boil it down to saying it was his karma or her karma to have passed away in spite of being an amazing human being or a nice person what what does it go to be now when yeah so when we use the term karma what happens generally people get into past people get into accumulated sanskaras now what happens suppose that person is going to die okay so every human being comes with an expiry date it is a fact we can't change it unless we are a chiranjeevi which we are not so we will have an expiry this, this physical body so suppose suppose i'm supposed to live for 100 years 40 years or whatever tom is going to live for 10 years now after 10 years he is going to die now in the case of suicide or some unnatural death or some accident that expiry date is there now the past influence on the past sanskaras are also working but the present karma is also adding to it yogis in very high evolved state they have burnt all the karmas it is said that when you take the prana to the third eye the term is known as jivan mukta 
that means you have burnt all your karma you can leave the body at will and come back and the body at will or take another birth but we have not reached that state so your present actions and your intentions can also determine your lifespan this is i'm talking from very highly evolved point of view but for people like us yes we are in that limited span but we have the capacity to evolve also but it bottles down to karma for normal language but karma is such a deep topic such a vast topic because your past karma is also influencing you your present karma is also working and your past and your present if articulated properly with awareness will determine your future now again another dilemma and i feel of course we will talk about this whole concept of duality i mean we spoke about karma and dharma we spoke about you know expectation and attachment uh another very hot debate which people keep saying is free will versus destiny how much of my life is actually in my control is it my karma is it what i am doing right now because i think in honestly speaking when i talk to so many people around me i think we all come with certain expectations in life and we work towards it and we have our goals and then suddenly that something happens which throws you off gear and you realize that life is not in my control you know and um, so i mean at least in my case personally i think that fundamental question came in in terms of how much of my life is in my control then is there anything that's in my control or not you know so what is it in terms of free will and destiny how would you answer that in a reality if i mention bhagavad gita uh, it is said that uh, bhagwan says a leaf falling from the tree it can't even fall because i am in control of everything so even only by my will the leaf is falling from that tree i'm refining it but uh, upanishad says something very very different now let me get very practical there is nothing called free will because when i use the term free will it literally means that now i can stop time now i can enter your body manipulate everyone now i can uh, grow big small these siddhis are there but free will means you can enter the body come back in the body and do a lot of things these siddhis also come with some limitation nowadays i have heard people calling siddhis as free will so what is a siddhi actually what was for someone who doesn't know what is a siddhi Siddhi is an occult power that comes to you on the path of evolution, and the more spiritual practices you, these all uh, occult powers or the you know people call it intuition and getting to know the future, or people manipulate these occult powers. Actually, Patanjali in chapter number three has beautifully explained the science behind it, that how they work and how your consciousness can. So there's a Siddhi which uh, suppose if I'm looking at the moon, I can get all the information about the moon. That is how the rishis used to get all the knowledge. It's called pratibha. so but the problem is if your ego rises these siddhis will fade away because the goal is to reach moksha not to get entangled but that siddhi is also not free even and destiny no one knows what a destiny is a very simple question destiny means the end of something suppose that i give you a very stupid example my destiny is to get a bentley but what if tomorrow i don't wake up so where is my destiny so people would actually say that it was in your destiny to die before you got it yeah, right but that is selective convenience no because in my head my destiny was to get the bentley so we just use terms what actually works as karma and uh, there are great enlightened beings who have stories that they are going they were going to die at the age of 10 but they live for 100 of years so they have changed their destiny so when you understand the science of breath and when you understand how the consciousness work you can expand your lifespan hatha pratipika is a very beautiful text that talks about it in detail there are many many things that see the problem what i realized during the path is whatever we can't comprehend we can't accept it or whatever we we have not seen it we call it fake but the problem is 
the entire path of evolution is only experiential. For example, if you're closely associated with someone who practices every day, who does their sadhana, if you're doing it, you will not require validation from anyone. So free will and destiny are just words because every moment is free or every moment is your destiny. So what would you tell someone if now, if there's someone who's going through something in life where they feel like everything is working against them in spite of them doing what is right. Like there are people, I, I mean, I went through that phase in my own life where I felt that I'm doing my very best and everything is always feeling like it's working against me, you know. And that's very dangerous because you start feeling like life is designed to go against you. How, what would you advise a person who's struggling to understand whether they are at fault because they are not doing enough or life is at fault because they are doing their best, but life is not doing enough for them? See, uh, there are two possibilities very practically. If you have given your best, there is nothing more you can do. That's it. Secondly, there is an expectation from that thing and that is not happening. That is the reason you're getting triggered. So if I am doing my best for you, I, I can. this is what I can do. Now, if you like it, don't like it, that is not my problem. But the problem is that I'm looking for some validation that has created problem. And second, which is very, very important. There are certain life lessons that you have not learned and you're just creating that vicious cycle and only you can break it. I'm talking from very practical day to day. If you talk from the philosophical point of view, there is nothing called pain or pleasure. Things what? Are, wow, wow. Yeah, that is the highest knowledge we call it. The so Vedanta. what is it then? What would you call it? Experience? If there's no pain or pleasure, like in, is, it, we are used yeah. to giving everything a term, right? We call yeah. this feeling is happiness, that feeling is sadness. But if you're saying that there is no pain and pleasure, then what is there? There's a space beyond pain and pleasure. That is where I'll meet you. It's a very beautiful phrase. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that if is, I'm enlightened someday, <laughs> you transcend is, the dualities of life. That is a state of an enlightened being, no? Because pain, as you mentioned earlier, the term duality, pain and pleasure, it comes with duality. But there's a state beyond that. Where is the pain and the pleasure, pleasure coming? Where is that happiness and joy coming? That is the source where you have to go because in that state, there is only bliss. And an enlightened being operates to that state. That is the reason every action, every word that is uttered by an enlightened being is going to happen because he's operating from a very high state of consciousness. But we are operating from our states of mind, which is very egocentric and very control-centric. And I've realized what that nowadays our generation they are looking for two things either attention which they need in different ways and second is control they want control over the object complete control which is never going to happen you know i realize psychologically that i don't know maybe it's a fact that uh, we always feel the need for some control in our life to feel like life is going for instance i'll tell you um there were, if I feel like my life is not in my control, I used to really enjoy going for a drive, just get out and drive on my own alone. Okay, And I started reading up about, am I, is this just something weird that I like doing? And uh, I came across a lot of blogs that said, when you drive, it gives you the feeling that there is something in your control in your life because you are controlling the car, right? So that is why driving is therapeutic because in that moment, it just psychologically makes you feel like at least this is in my control in my life. So yes, I think it's really true that when the minute we feel like we have control over some outcome in our life, that's when we feel, okay, you know, we, we are able to stop spiraling. But how does one stop and completely detach from the need to feel in control? of life you know uh, i i will explain try my best to explain the closest state of a highly evolved being you know life is so beautiful you don't know what is next everything is just an adventure because every moment everything is coming out blossoming 
बट वी हैव प्लान फ्यूचर विच नेवर एग्जिस्ट तो यू हैव जस्ट रूइंड योर लाइफ एंड योर फ्यूचर विदाउट एनी रीजन बट फॉर अ योगी ही जस्ट लिव वन डे एट अ टाइम एंड फैक्ट वन मोमेंट एट अ टाइम because he knows that is only what is in control what when i say control i am giving my best that is in my control i don't know what is going to happen after 10 minutes but we have already planned at 10 minutes and even if you're saying suppose you have the car in control what if the car stops what if some accident happens nothing is in our control and second thing practically what i have understood is we should be aware that the result is never in our hands whatever we do the result is never if you do it as an offering to that cosmos or to that energy then you will get the results according to what you deserve that is how nature works but uh, we think we always want more we are never happy like today i have a good laptop tomorrow i want another better laptop same how attachment works today i have an iphone if a new iphone comes in the market i'll forget the free same with relationships same with everything we human beings are victims of the mind all the time so if now for instance if everything is duality there's so many factors at play in terms of the human mind our moods morning i'm in a good mood evening i'm in an irritated mood something has someone has said something to me um and let's say even internally i believe at least and psychology also says that we all have our own light and dark aspects i have may have certain good qualities i may have certain bad qualities you have certain good qualities which may be different from mine and vice versa now in our lives if i have my own set of dualities within me and then i come across you and you have your own set of dualities there are so many relations in the world you have to live with your parents tomorrow you may get into a relationship you interact with people outside how do you how do we find meaningful relationships while being aware of our dualities that can conflict with one another it's very difficult for our generation very very difficult in fact it is very difficult to hold a conversation with someone nowadays haven't you realized it is very difficult to talk to someone i'll give you some strange experiences in rishikesh when we meet we look at someone people just come to us and they say that to stop flirting but it is just act of kindness we have become so self centered so what i believe when you evolve on the path your friend circle will start changing and secondly i'm getting vedanta because i think you will actually understand anything that changes in your life is maya remember this anything that changes in your life is maya what has been constant in your life our families changing your body is changing even the laptop is going to change even the cell phone even the earth is going to one day going to finish the sun is being sucked nothing is constant so why are you getting attached because everything comes with an expiry date there's only one constant that is the brahman what is brahman uh <laughs> Brahman in simple language is pure consciousness. That is what is constant. Even suppose now you are really close to me, Neo. You love me, and one day I die. You will not even come close to me. You are coming because there is this energy which is talking to you. That energy, the same energy which is answering the question, is the same energy that is asking the questions. Only that energy is constant. That is the Brahman. I know it's a very deep topic, but yeah, is that is that the same as the soul? Because people talk about this like the soul. Oh, you know, only the soul is eternal. And is Brahman the same as a person's soul? Uh, yeah. Generally, we don't use the term soul because when you say soul, there are many souls. we call it the atman yes the atman and brahman is the same for example uh, the same electricity can turn a ac on can turn the light on can run the laptop it works to different instruments that electricity is brahman it is the same for everyone it has just taken different names and forms and we are attached to the names and forms rather than understanding that electricity that is atman if you operate with this knowledge that everything is coming from the same source 
90% of your job will start getting easier so i feel like a lot like out of whatever we've spoken so far i feel one of my takeaways is basically you have to constantly remind yourself to be humble like to keep a humility and realize that you're just a speck in the cosmos and there's is is that what it boils down to constant awareness of the fact that you need to have an attitude of humility definitely humbleness and kindness and gratitude are the three qualities that you should have i personally do this every day before going to sleep i just thank lord that thank you for giving me a day and uh, i pray that if i wake up tomorrow i'm aware about it because i don't know what is going to happen in one night so that awareness is always that is what spiritual practices are it is not just asan pranayam it is getting the practices in day to day life and how do they work how do these work for instance how does an asana or practicing surya namaskar or chanting all these tools that we have how do they help us to stay uh, humble and to realize that ultimately there's a world out there that is taking care that's of us that's a very good question because this needs to be addressed any practice that you do spiritual practice that is asan meditation jap or doing pranayam or worshiping god the goal is only to take you to the highest that is at a very high level but at a day to day level it will help you to control your mind it will get you in sattva but that knowledge is required which people are lacking because nowadays we meet only people oh i want six pack i want flexibility <laughs> i want a certificate and it is heartbreaking yeah yeah but that knowledge is very important and also remember that you don't know what is tomorrow your life is very short poor yogi is aware that he has given this time enjoy nature be kind whoever you are crossing uplift then you will get a satisfaction that happiness and satisfaction no one can take and that is where you realize that life is beautiful you spoke about maya earlier that you said any everything that is changing in your life is maya uh, maya being a illu- uh, illusion or delusion what is it yeah it is not illusion it is delusion when i say illusion it's uh, something that doesn't exist or you know something how magicians do magicians don't do illusion they delude you yeah that's a very fine difference between the two yeah yeah because when we see oh he is an illusionist he has done so much no he deluding you he has got tricks to delude you something is existing behind that is deluding you really <laughs> we are deluded by this nature. so you say would you say these are distractions or these these make us yes they exist i mean in theory yes i have this book in front of me i have this mic over here yeah 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 they yeah. are tangible but what then so i'm very confused now ki is this real or is this not real and if this is not real then what is real good question in this reality this is real but there are other states of realities and consciousness also the highest is where only form of energy Mm. so we think only this is reality but there are multiple realities that we can live and have access to that is where we talk when the kundalini awakens people go crazy people go mad because they can't handle that state of reality and whatever we can't comprehend we throw them in asylum or we call them mad but they are living in another reality mm. that is their reality that is their reality so i can't say that for simple common sense like suppose uh, you have this book in front of you the reality to uh, the perception of the book that you have is very different than what i have so even in the awake state we have different reality the different states of consciousness when you say energy when you are talking about energy now to me of course everyone today says oh that person has great energy and you know there's so many different meanings that that word have taken upon you know uh, are you talking about subtle energy in terms of only what is internal and what's happening within the body or are you talking about energy as in that one cosmic energy that is everything you know if you attune into that one cosmic energy which is everything all will be known to you 
for example, this is a big globe of energy. We are all living in that energy. So once you tap into that energy, everything is known to you. That is the field of all possibilities. Mm. When you see Vishnu, Lord Vishnu sleeping on that uh, the ocean. Mm-hmm. Yes. In the Puranic stories, that ocean is the field of all possibilities. So what does that symbolize? That is where if a yogi taps into the field of all possibilities and he gets all the information. That is that energy which the rishis were trying to explain thousands of years ago. And now quantum physics is talking about the field of all possibilities or the field of energy and everything. But now when I talk about energy, now your energy is very beautiful because you are sattvic at a very gross level. Now I'm very hyper that my energy is ratchet. That is the reason when you say when you're a group of smokers, you become a smoker because you're attracted towards that energy. But a yogi has realized that every energy is coming from the same source. So he gets information from everywhere. If we had to explore this more from a conflict point of view, do you feel like, for instance, if a person who is dominant, who is sattvic dominant, comes across a person who is, let's say, uh, rajasic dominant, uh, is it first of all possible that you may say that I am sattvic in nature, but am I like that all the time? Even through the day, I may have moods, right? Maybe some something yeah, yeah, will yeah. happen and my mood will go into tamas. I'm yeah, not yeah. going to always, unless I've mastered the art of that control, of course. I, I don't think I'll always be a person who is sattvic, you know. So do one is, do people of the same fundamental nature, like sattva and sattva tend to get along better? Or is there, you know how they say opposites attract? Is it possible that maybe sattva might be attracted to rajas or tamas? Uh, depending upon the karma, depending upon your state of mind. Oh my God. Depending <laughs> upon how deep your present desires are, to, uh, desires are there to be with that person, many factors are there into consideration. And depending upon how much you want to be in that uh, situation, many, many possibilities. We but can't it's natural. Away karma. It's natural it's to natural, fluctuate natural, from yeah, one yeah. state to another. It is very normal. It's very normal. And we do that all the time. As you mentioned, I'm getting very angry. I'm coming into Rajas. And the most spiritual practices I'll do, I'll realize that oh, I don't want to be in Rajas. I want to be in Sattva. But if I don't have any knowledge, I'll be sulking and that Rajas will lead me into Tamas. That is what is happening with people like us nowadays. Anything happens, uh, we call it anxiety. Anything happens, we call it fear. And then we post stories on Instagram. Oh, I'm sulking in fear and writing long messages. It is very, very different. That knowledge is very, very important. And also something uh, interesting that I have realized. If you are mentally not strong, then you are gone. Then you will keep on switching and going wherever not like. But if you are mentally strong that no, I will not give up. Then nothing can break you. Even physical pain can be overcome through mental strength. And how does one develop mental strength? By practice. Only by practice and the will to change. More than practice the will, the fire should be burning inside. I will overcome this. But then isn't that ego? Isn't that, for instance, now again, if I'm saying I will do this, I want to achieve. Isn't that also a form of strong attachment to something that you want in your life? Discipline is very, very important. But discipline doesn't mean that I go crazy that, okay, tomorrow or suppose tomorrow I'm not able to wake up at four o'clock. I won't go crazy. Again, that is a problem. Wow, I'm not able to wake up for my day. Finish. Then you have created your own misery. Because it is just one day. It's okay. See, that is very important now. Because who's making the rule? You are making the rules for your own self. So that rule should help you to evolve, not to get deluded and again stuck in Maya. So conditioning with awareness is where you will experience. You spoke earlier, Bhavesh, about surrender. And that's a word that... Um... I also used to use lightly, I would say. People now, I read so many of these Instagram quotes of, you know, surrender and accept and things like that. But when at the workshop, when you came to the point where you finally told us that, look, you know what, you have to play your role, but ultimately detach and surrender. It's actually, if you take it to its full meaning, 
it's very, very difficult to do. So what is surrender and what is acceptance? See, uh, if you have mastered the art of surrender and acceptance, you are enlightened. In Bhakti, we call it surrender. In uh, Vedanta, we call it Vichara, which is acceptance, the same. What can you surrender? You can only surrender your ego. Nothing else. Because you are blocking your own path. So in any situation, if you have surrendered your ego, finish, you are bulletproof. Nothing can touch you. And what can you accept? You can only accept the present situation. Nothing is in your hand. What can you can't accept the present? You can't accept the future. You can't accept the past. Nothing. You can only accept this moment what you have. And every moment is changing. And uh, if you have surrendered completely, you know, have you seen these uh, in Rishikesh when you come, you you have seen these orange orange sannyasis, shaven head. We call them sannyasis. You know what is the beauty about sannyasis, actual sannyasis? When I will die, I will do my final rites. Like you will do it or my sister will do it or my family will do it. My, my family will do it. But a sannyasi will burn his own identity. His surname, name, everything. He has no name. He's known as sannyasi. And for him, he's in complete surrender because Mother Earth is his bed and the sky is doing. They have completely said they have no expectations from anyone. Are we in that state? If you are in that state, the entire cosmos will start looking up to you. But we are selective surrender. Selective acceptance. Because this is satisfying my ego. I will have some future benefits, so I'll surrender. But only 10% I'll surrender. And the problem is, we don't surrender because we have constant fear of losing our identity. We don't want to surrender. We know that we are wrong. We know that if I surrender, things will be okay. But why will I surrender? If I surrender, I will lose my identity, my ego, my game. And that is where we again are manipulating our own selves. No one else. For me, when I used to say the word surrender, uh, it I would equate it to letting go of fixating on an outcome or letting go of the need to constantly control. So for me, it's more like, uh, and the modern day interpretation of the word surrender would mean ki you do your best, but you leave the rest to God. Don't be, you know, what happens will happen. You have done your best. But is there a meaning beyond that, that we need to be aware of? As you were saying, that level of surrender is completely different where you, you, you have so much faith, you don't even need the evidence to believe that the cosmos Bingo. is supporting because you. Because in that state, you have become an experiential being. When no book can explain you, no teacher can explain you, you have experienced yourself what surrender. And in that state, you become a perfect instrument. So imagine the mountains, the trees, the sun, the stars all working through you. What a state. Everything is known to you. You're in full surrender. It's very tough. I think like we have, even I'm guilty of this, of conditional surrender, which I think is uh, up to a point, you have the patience to say, no, it'll work out, you know, yeah. But then when you really don't see the evidence of it in your life is when the frustration sets in and you're like, you know what, I'm done with the surrender nonsense and all, you know. And that is the time you should surrender. <laughs> that is the time you should surrender because if you break that, you will realize life is beautiful there's nothing to worry about everything is taken care and every day is a new day you know when we wake up every day the plants are looking different the sun is shining different i know there are hot there is every day but we are not aware we are so entangled within ourselves we don't even know what is happening outside 
but a yogi knows that this is my last day let me enjoy it let me live it to the fullest because tomorrow i don't know if i'll open my eyes or not so that awareness is always there with the knowledge so how can i practice like what can i practically do for instance if i am in a place in my life where i'm really losing faith and i am but i have the awareness that now is when i have to practice the faith and correct myself right what practical step can i take to surrender practical step is first and the foremost thing is accept yourself and forgive yourself if you have that awareness that i want to accept and forgive myself then only slowly evolution up second which i tell everyone don't try to change others don't try to change the world nothing is going to change you can only change your point of view and your perception and third let the world do whatever they want you do your bit you are the main role you are the main character of your own movie and your movie depends in your hands how you make the movie out of it so that awareness should be there if you are in your movie trying to fit it with others movie and trying to change their life you will be destroyed and what about feelings of resentment towards others like one thing is forgiving yourself which you spoke about but what if so many people go through life holding you know feelings against another person blaming another person for something and i'm not going to say it's right or wrong we all go through those points in our life where other people's actions affect us um but how do you let go of those see you know i'm sharing something uh, i recently met someone and they were holding a grudge against someone for 10 years and that grudge was so intense that the person died 3 years ago they didn't even realize now that person is facing issues that why was that person holding grudge and why didn't that person interact that very time the regret of not yes and 10 years of precious life wasted just one phone call or just sitting and just praying that whoever that person is i forgive or let them forgive me i hold no grudges you are free and that misery who was created you and who's going to pay for it you so why are we making life so complicated i don't understand and if things are not working you will leave it it is your expectation from that person has created misery for yourself your desires your pain that you can't handle you have thrown on others but that person is not even alive and you don't even know that don't even know that and later when you get to know you and that guilt that then you go to the good times mm-hmm. then you want to sort things out then you have realized that there's you can't even pick the call and talk and that guilt is leading you to another birth because that emotions how will they suppress they have to come out and mother nature will push you into a rebirth into a rebirth yeah whatever you're holding very strong if that desire is not satisfied mother nature will push you to another birth just to satisfy your own desire that is the reason a yogi even they have desires they are not attached to the desire because they know that if they enter the world and enter the body there will be duality again so they you would say that a yogi is free from being bound by duality yeah yeah so a yogi will act fight dance jump shout love everything but inside they are full of chilling zone inside in simple language having a good gala time not worrying about anything but as an actor working and playing their role but inside unattached 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 am i yeah or adi shankara had given that shloka so to sum it up all these things we've spoken about these dilemmas people's life experiences where they can't make sense we spoke of dharma karma you know expectation attachment how would you what are the baby steps that people can start take to let's say practice awareness since you said step 1 itself is to be aware of these things step 1 is that we try to be in sattva step 2 whatever i'm concluding and whatever we have discussed is that play your role imagine that you're playing your role because the beauty is 
when you go to sleep and deep sleep where is asta where is bhavesh where is neeti where is adu where is rick we don't know when you wake up again all the characters pop so every day realize that this is just maya and thought be humble because you never know how time is going to change in this reality so being grounded is very very important and the ego will start deluding and playing games with you at any point of time be very careful of that and of course you have to do spiritual practices in order that you become aware so before i let you go since you know the show is titled slow down with aastha and we encourage people to slow down and go inward what are your three practical takeaways that someone can practice right from now to make them to make themselves i'd say mentally emotionally and spiritually sound slow down first is stop running the rat race of life is never going to get over so enjoy nature be full of gratitude that this body has been given to you second is you have to do some spiritual practices if you are not stable in your practice you will be destroyed by your own mind and third which i personally believe is always realize that the greater energy working which is looking after and let it work through you because once you tap into that you will become the most powerful person in this cosmos wow this is very empowering Yeah. and uh, i'm going to add my own personal favorite because i know your favorite hashtag myob which is mind yep. your own business <laughs> that is <laughs> how did favorite, you forget yeah. that <laughs> i purposely didn't add that but i'm glad you added rules uh, yeah. for life bhavesh's rules yeah. for life myob rules for life there are three rules for life that is mind <laughs> your own business don't make other people's your problem your problem and third is your perception and your life is in your hands yeah take charge and uh, you never know what happens next whatever words you are using be very kind because if you have used you know the upanishad gives a very beautiful example of the bow and the arrow once the arrow is shot you can never take it back once you have uttered something negative you can never take it back and uh, that word that you are using for that person you never know if you see the person again or no and that guilt is very very hard to handle so be wise because your tongue is in your hands and even your intentions thank you so much for such a beautiful conversation and with that conversation which was quite literally a piece of both of our hearts we come to the end of season 1 of slow down with asa it's been a great ride with some super awesome guests many learnings and a lot of food for thought if you liked our show Please rate us on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts. But if you're feeling a little generous, you can even leave a review for us. It would really help me to come back with a bigger bang for season two. I can hardly wait to get going. But until then, take care of yourselves and remember to slow down.